Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, who knows what session this is in terms of numbers of the Brain of the Firm Reading Group with General Intellect Unit. Um, we are, this is the second session of Chapter 20, um, and we're on page 354. Um, the, the first part of this chapter has been about Beer sort start of winding up to elaborating this theory of crisis. Um, and I think we're going to start really getting into that now with these like, um, numbered sections um the, he says the four major cybernetic requirements of such stability by which means the stability of a sort of institution interacting with a um crisis moment there's there's a big chaotic crisis thing going on and you've got some sort of entities that want to maintain stability with that and to track the emergence of this emergency um accurately and in order to do that you're going to need these four major cybernetic requirements of stability um we're on the bottom of page 354 with um, the first of these. Uh, the system is obedient to Ashby's law of requisite variety. So let's go. Um, any situation on which managerial attention is suddenly focused will inevitably prove to exhibit characteristics of explosive variety. All human affairs have such high variety that they are constantly in danger of losing stability. But those attracting special attention in any phase space at any epoch are usually proliferating variety at their maximal rate in an attempt to discover polystable solutions to the imbalances that are occurring in their subsystems. Then it is also typical that any one system, in this case A, will be committed for internal reasons to subsystemic variety generation absorption on such a scale that it is likely to exacerbate the problems of intersecting systems, in this case B and C in terms of their own increasing disequilibrium. When we consider this comment insofar as the firm itself is concerned, the threat to internal peace is not too alarming. This is because the linkages governing system one in its participation as an operational component of a viable system are strong in terms of shared purpose, as an observer may see it. A powerful constraint on horizontal variety is therefore a likely product of homeostatic interaction on the central vertical axis itself. In larger and less teleologically focused systems, such as whole countries, the prospect of constraining variety at operational intersects is much diminished, just because there is less teleologically shared ground. It is very well worth noting, however, that some countries and certainly international movements have much more purpose of focus than others. Think of the way in which a magnifying glass can be can focus general sunlight so as to set fire to grass. Okay, pretty dense two paragraphs. So what's being said here that like the, the, the like basically like so that like um viable systems that are close like they're they're closely knit and tightly integrated will have a better chance of actually responding to this high variety situation and a lot of that absorption the like the um integration and absorption of that variety is going to be due to the kind of like spinal column the, the like tight integration of information there whereas systems that are less tele teleologically focused or like where the subcomponents are less on the same page are going to have a much harder time at that um Okay, let's see. Um, Kyle. Yeah, I think this may actually be a reference to, say, like a, a System 5. 
like the the shared purpose uh helping to constrain the problem mm-hmm. um because i guess it's kind of like oh well if we all know what we're here to do and one member is really screwing up and is out to lunch we can identify that there's a problem in terms of our shared purpose and attenuate the signals we're getting from that that problem member um yeah i think that's that's what beer's getting at uh like because it doesn't make sense to say I don't know. Does it make sense to say like, oh, you have a bunch of members that are closely linked to one another, very closely linked to one another. One of them starts just oscillating extremely. Wouldn't those oscillations, because of the tight linkages, proliferate more uh, more mm-hmm. than a weakly connected system? Right. If you yeah, you're, if you're you just right. had that set up i'm not sure i'm not a i'm not a <laughs> i'm not an engineer i don't know if the if the simple existence of other members would uh produce the feedback to dampen those oscillations but i think what he's getting at is some kind of shared purpose rather than than simply a connectedness mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's that's um that seems that seems right um and I guess it, it, it definitely makes sense from like slicing the kind of variety equation, right? That like if you have a collection of entities that are basically let's let's just say ideologically aligned or are, are have a common purpose, huge tracts of possible interference are already cut out, right? Like that, like hey, we're all trying to put up this barn. That rules out the possibility of going to make ice cream or whatever at the same time. Like it's just a whole bunch of negative interactions are just going to not be not really be there. Like there's being all lined up and facing the same direction has a power all of its own. And that's like, you, you get that for free by starting with a common purpose rather than trying to make systems that don't really share much purpose with each other, trying to force them to cohere. Um, so it's like, there's a certain kind of like economy of um, cohesion there. Like it's one, one of the most economical ways to get these things to cooperate is for them to be on the same page in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the simple principle of why a phalanx is effective. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're all facing the same way, not yeah. facing each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it take the, uh, the the usual firing squad versus the circular firing squad that we get on the left, you know. Um, anyway, uh, let's see, Jake. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I at least uh, from my reading of this first, like, two paragraphs, it's, you know, he's saying that, in a crisis situation, right, where basically a situation where the managerial, like, in focus is is pulled towards them, you know, there's some, there's a fire in this plant, you know, or whatever, uh, like, in this factory, you know, um, but, and, uh, and so the managers need to, like, fix the, you know, they're no longer getting, like, the other system ones aren't getting the outputs that was the previous, previously generated by this factory that is now like dealing with the fire or whatever um in this example uh you know so they have to the 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 focus is on dampening the the variety right dampening like okay reassure the people in the other subs other systems one that like 
we're going to get you the materials, you know, you don't have to change all these things or whatever and and try to reduce the variety that is being generated to dampen that. I think I think like he, when he's saying that like any one system in this case A will be committed for internal reasons to subsystemic variety generation absorption uh, makes it seem to me like he's saying that like any that that system will be focused on its own internal stuff and sort of not like disregard but not have as much concern for how it fits with the other like sort of outer like other systems that it was interacting with um yeah i think so, it, I, think, I think it's something like that i think it's that like system a will be because the, the the situation is running away at maximal speed system a will be solely concerned with keeping up with the situation at all mm -hmm. like internally mm -hmm. and will be largely unconcerned with synchronizing its activities with yeah. b and c and that'll also be true of b and c Right. Um, I think I think him saying like you know if there's these linkages in terms of a shared purpose then the kind of like those other systems will continue along towards the same goal so it's not as much of a big it's not as big of a deal like they won't just sort of spin off into their own thing if they had like you know whereas in some crisis situation where like like the government gets overthrown or whatever and on all these system ones that you know maybe there was this like latent variety being generated that wasn't being noticed by the meta system like suddenly the you know the military is trying to take over because they have all this variety that was being generated and it's exploding out into the the other parts of it that were previously like keeping it under wraps because of you know the previous dictator that was just overthrown or whatever you know mixing a lot of mm -hmm. metaphors here but you know i think i think that's kind of that's kind of what he's saying i mean mm -hmm. I, I, we should uh, it's it's a very dense two paragraphs yeah. for sure. um jeremy my interpretation of the A, B, and C here are agencies with completely different interests. So, I mean, the fact that he gave the example of the Suez, the Suez crisis in the beginning makes me think of A, B, and C as, like, for example, Britain, the USA, and the USSR all dealing with the crisis. There's going to be overlap because there's one crisis, they're all boots on the ground for it, but their takeaways are going to be different and they're going to be, there's going to be one for each actor. Yeah, I think that makes sense, certainly. I, I kind of wonder if, um, I, I sometimes suspect that beer is kind of squashing two different kinds of like non-synchronization because like you could have positive synchronization and then there's null synchronization and then there's negative synchronization, which would be competition, right? And I, I sort of sometimes suspect that beer collapses the latter two into, into the one thing where even I mean, I think we talked about this last time that like it doesn't seem to think very often much about like active conflict. Um, it seems to be a, more of a problem of like oh these these people just don't understand each other yet, or they're 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 not yet integrated, um, which would be a kind of null null synchronization that's just the absence of coordination. But then the like competition, and it's, this is especially worth pondering because bourgeois society is structured around competition. If competition actively destroys synchronization possibilities rather than simply leaving them absent, that's that's sort of a different thing. It's worth kind of pondering, I think. Um, maybe. Um, okay, let's read on a small bit. Um, when global situations are our topic, then prospects are gloomy indeed. Astronauts who have viewed Earth from vast distance have reported that to such an observer, the planet is clearly an organic entity. Therefore, its systems A, B, and C such as the three great power blocks of our time, 
might be regarded as sharing the purpose of human survival. But such a perception depends on the creation of a model, and in that case, a model devised by a man on the moon. Whether God's model talks in such terms is known only to that observer. Whether the consensus model of earthlings can rise to lunar heights prescribes the future of our species at the very least. There is perhaps some comfort in recognizing that all these models of the cosmically viable system are recursions of each other. These paragraphs are tightly written and there is a danger that they might develop into the wrong book. The emphasis here is to point out the role of the model formulated, figure 48, within the compass of the anastomotic reticulum under the criterion of internal stability to which system A subscribes. It is all too obvious that to someone in Britain at the relevant times, the 1936 model of the abdication, the 1946 model of the Indian freedom, and the 1956 model of the Suez all lacked requisite variety to the point of the actual loss of democratic control. These were the personal examples that I offered to compare with others or to compare with yours. And if we sat together today, then surely neither of us has the least doubt that pages more could be filled to show how our international, national and local regulatory systems are so constructed as to try and flout Ashby's law and how they conspicuously fail in that attempt. The first reason for this is that the variety exhibited by the crisis situation is necessarily attenuated on the way to model construction within the sensory motor reticulum. <clears throat> Although there is empirical evidence as cited, for example, for this, the contention is more safely advanced by analysis of the instrumentality that is necessarily involved. We have first of all to take account of the inadequacy of the model builder himself. He is not omniscient in his understanding and he perforce sets up filters within his information gathering network. This happens even to the individual human being as he peers into and otherwise senses the world that surrounds him. He can see only within the narrow spectrum of visible light, here within a spectrum of audible sound frequencies and so forth. When it comes to understanding political situations, those responsible for constructing cognitive models seem to be extremely selective in what is allowed to count as pertinent information. Why should this be? Because a model as it were condenses onto a group of people who have a similar outlook or a similar vested interest in the situation or who have selected sources which become the arbiters of what is pertinent. Secondly, although this group may debate its emerging model with zeal, both the group and its individual members have other situations to consider, whereas the participants in this situation are devoting themselves to its unfolding on a full-time basis. Thirdly comes the question of the withholding of information, as in the case of the abdication, the grave distortion of information, whether through misapprehension or bias, as in the interpretation of the Indian dilemma. And finally, the use of the information channel, as happened in the case of the Suez, to tell deliberate lies. Thus looking, at mod at, sorry, thus, looking at figure 48 once more, we see that a sensory input is being made to a model-creating reticulum, which derives immediately from a responsible managerial center marked by a circle within the domain of party A. This center is fed by information shown by a dashed line, which contains an attenuating filter. It is contended that this is the instrumentality whereby Ashby's law will inexorably rebuke the designers of the system by ensuring that the model at the reticulum is deficient in variety, repeat, variety, which is something other than information. 
This is a point often misunderstood, which may conveniently be emphasized here with the example of the Chilean story in mind. So let's pause and have we chat about that bit. Um, so this, the sensing of the situation is the thing that's always going to be at fault here, and especially if it's a narrow, narrow band of people with narrow interests who are, who are in charge of trying to transduce this thing. Um, and this, this is, I don't know, this, this to me is like the kind of ultimate tragedy of bourgeois society, right? Even beyond like the, the, the ethical and moral problems of exploitation and such. It's that having so few people sit on the throne, you know, and they, they, they do so not because they're actually competent to do it, but they're like a cuckoo. They sit there to prevent anyone else from sitting there. It, what this does is it firstly, you know, puts truly incapable sort of like small systems in charge of running the whole world and forbids society at large from participating in that same running. Um, and that even beyond the ethics and stuff, Ashby will get the last laugh. That e even if like, say, I don't know, even if the capitalists try to rally around a, a sort of Green New Deal or a plan to try to deal with the climate, climate crisis or any, any crisis you can name, they're kind of always doomed to have like at best a really chaotic most mostly failure at doing so because it's it's just it's just an unreasonable to expect a room full of a couple of people to transduce this variety accurately let alone to build an accurate model let alone to even have the right kind of feedback mechanisms to really do that and what, what beer is always gesturing towards is a controller which really kind of is the full body of the society transducing its own problems and and sort of recalculating itself constantly um, let's see, Jake. Yeah, I was going to say something similar, like, you know, I think it just sort of like points to sort of the need for like a revolutionary organization. If we want to build a revolution, like something that really, you know, not only synthesizes like the ideas of the like massive working people, but like connects to them, you know, and in a, in a feedback loop, uh, that like includes them in it, not just you know, at the beginning and then no more or like, or just never at all, which is I think the case with pretty much everyone that's tried it in the US, you know, like it's, it's, you're not going to ever have full information. Um, so the best you can do is like include as many people as possible and, and create the right channels to get the right information, which is, you know, half of what he's talking about in this book really. And, um, and yeah, just like people don't really like people can develop all sorts of ideas depending on the like ideas of what the world looks like, you know, models of the world based on the information they receive. So it's like really important to like, you know, I think I think people, you know, we were talking about like before this the recording started of like sort of the common sense of liberalism and stuff. It's like, where are they getting their ideas? You know, where are they getting their information? And then they're not getting it from like people. They're getting it from like mass media they're getting it from like the existing like liberal structures and bureaucracies that you know it have been fully captured by if you know if not were created by the like bourgeois class and so they don't have any like idea of what like reality looks like to most people except in that like people except in that probably most people have that same model of reality but that doesn't make it right it's still just like based on this false information or misinformation, you know, and, and, and again, like lacking the feedback structures that would allow them to like 
change that model based on what people are experiencing. Like there's no way for them to correct it. So, so really just goes back to like going to the people and like learning from them, Mm -hmm. like what their life is like. And then yeah, setting up some kind of channels to like get continued feedback from them and, and input from them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think like maybe we can even gesture to like the 2016 sort of, or like the, the mass arrangement since 2016 of like both in the US and the UK, like just like the, the sort of establishment kind of going nuts because they sort of realized or partially realized that their whole model of reality had been completely wrong all along and that they were then like, or I guess that the pundits and such and like political folks like being completely unable to integrate signals from the world because they had this West Wing sort of model of reality that was just blown away by by actual real world events, right? Um, um, yeah, and I just wanted to mention as well. Like, I mean, like the the the, the bodily metaphor that beer, beer keeps going back to is very important there. That like the conscious mind is not really in control of very much when it comes to the body, and that the the solution for letting for the, running the body is to let the body run itself more or less. Um, and yeah, that, that's it's just another thing of that like that kind of. Um, dictatorial control or that kind of like notion of like the, the mind is going to run everything or this kind of like enlightened elite is going to run everything just really doesn't doesn't work at all um let's see boast howdy uh i got two points i'll try to keep them short though because i'm in a rambly mood today um the first is that uh i want to drag beer back into the picture here again because uh like assuming if we had like a couple dozen beer clones, how would this not reproduce itself where they are blocking off some system of information or aligning themselves with systems of information that they are naturally inclined towards and just missing out on other um, nuances altogether. I don't, I don't think there's a negative conclusion that follows that. I just like to drag beer back into his own book whenever I get the opportunity. Um, the second point is just kind of like an observation. I don't know why, but in reading the last couple of uh, paragraphs, the idea of like a, a canary and a coal miner came to mind because the canary and the coal miner aren't actually talking to each other. And the canary is getting some sensory input, even if it's just a ratio of noxious gas, that the coal miner is not. So it's only once the canary system collapses that the coal miner is like, oh, we need to get out of here. And it just kind of like speaks to the fact that what's maybe missing here is some higher level at which the canary and the coal miner can actually talk. So the canary can say it's getting woozy or whatever before it actually collapses and dies. Um, I'm wondering, though, if like there's some nature about that system in number uh, 48 that precludes there being a higher level of organization and kind of traps us at that that one stable level like. I don't want to suggest that there uh, needs to be like a UN model in here, um, but it seems that the way that beer is aligning it, it suggests that that's impossible. Like there will never be a shared form of communication between A, B, and C such that they can escape their weird little dilemma. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that, that's quite interesting. I think I wonder if like the, the canary sort of dilemma is, is more that like the, the canary is a very low variety sort of transducer. Like it's 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 like a synapse that like has it has a very complex input, but it has a very simple output. In that it's it's a, literally a binary alive dead, and if if the if the um, if the canary could could talk, it would probably would say <laughs> getting a bit getting a bit sleepy here, you know. Um, that would give you a higher variety transducer and so on, um, or maybe even net, even network of canaries, and they're all they're all slightly differently sensitive to things, and you've got like the rate at which they're dying is is the the, the signal. Um, 
I only want to counter that with suggesting that maybe a more empathetic coal miner might be the solution. Mm. Like, oh, our little buddy's getting kind of tired. We might want to get out before he collapses. Yeah, because like that's definitely a part of the equation, though, right? Because I mean, maybe an ornithologist would know would know what to look for, and it's like, hey, this fucking canary is looking a bit rough. Like, are you sure this is okay? And but like the the uh, coal miner may not, and that might well be. I mean, it could be a lack of, of knowledge or it could also be a lack of care as well, that like this, this, this canary is instrumentally useful and that's it. Um, so there's a bunch of different like fragmented subjectivities involved there, right? Um, which is that, again, that beer's kind of like thing of like there's multi-perspectival kind of world that ultimately all of these things are traducing, transducing their, their perspectives on the world and they're, they're not really seeing, like the, the, the coal miner may not even really see the canary as a bird. It's a it's a really fancy switch that like flips from one position to the other. Um, I'm not, not terribly sure where I was going with that. Or, I mean, you could replace the whole thing with like actual, just like sensors. <laughs> we, we have sensors now that can detect gas, um, which uh, could be a lot better. Um, indeed. Cool. Um, let's crack on a small bit more. Um, the responsible managerial center in A might well be the foreign office of a country, A, that is involved in a developing crisis, still represented by the hatched intersect of A, B, and C in another country, X. I wonder, wonder why he might, might have um, homed in on this particular example for this, this thing. is like mm, some, some department of some foreign country interfering with your situation. Um, then the transducer marked in figure 48 by a solid dot of information about the developing crisis will be the A embassy there. The link between the foreign office in A and the A embassy cannot conceivably be short of information. If the home country demands facts from its A embassy in X, it will certainly get them. If the ambassador in X has facts relevant to foreign office policy, he will certainly send them. Now, here is a definition that I have proposed before. Information is the set of facts that change us. The selection of facts demanded and sent about the developing crisis will be those that are competent to effect change. This sounds reasonable. In a crisis, who wants to know the albeit undoubted fact that the primroses are in bloom? The ambassadorial arrangements under discussion are designed to convey the facts that have the status to become information and therefore to procure new decisions or policies. But all of this takes for granted the existence of a diplomatic core conceptual model in A that has requisite variety to absorb the variety generated by the burgeoning crisis. When requisite variety in that model is lacking, states of the system that are distinct become indistinguishable. Therefore, valid data are transformed by the operations within the model into false information, in quotes, which, when it procures change, as it remains competent to do, will generate mistakes in the handling of the crisis from A's direction. In wondering what, if anything, can possibly be done to avoid implicit variety attenuation in this fashion, we encounter an operational difficulty that is widely recognizable. It was pointed out that the model shared by the A diplomats condenses, in quotes, onto a group whose members typically have much in common, the group probably does not explicitly agree that it is using a model at all. It sees itself as making wise interpretations of facts. It ignores the points that interpretations are processed through conceptual models of the world rather than through the world itself, and that facts are selectively recognized 
because they make useful inputs to conceptual models rather than being recognized free of context as if they were independent gems of value found glinting in the sun. But if the condensation of an inexplicit model onto a group were to be forestalled by the deliberate creation of subgroups known to be in disagreement with each other, so that attention were drawn to the models in use, and they in consequence attained requisite variety, other disagreeable consequences would surely follow. To invent an extreme example, if the British embassy in Chile had been staffed from top to bottom by declared and convinced Marxists disinclined, as was Allende himself, to the Soviet model of Marxism, British policy could not have taken the course that it did from 1970 onwards to this day, because there would have been no A group at home and in station of sufficient commonality as to condense a model onto itself. That sounds satisfactory as far as it goes. It is likely to maintain requisite variety. The trouble is that in such conditions, the Foreign Office in London would have found itself, itself unable to believe most of what it heard from its embassy and unable to process what it did believe through a conceptual model mismatching the model in Santiago. Then it would probably have taken its sensory input from the United States embassy instead, and matters would have ensued as they did. Radio. Let's get a little bit going here. Uh, Matt. Yeah, the 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 the, um, the the bit about the, the shared models that you're not even acknowledging about about models, you know, I I I think that's huge because I think uh, you know like uh, what's you know um, uh, an internship and embassy and you know um, uh, 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 you know a, a poli sci degree um, uh, uh, you know instilling in you, you know, um, uh, probably like a little tool belt of uh, of small models for like you know looking at uh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know, foreign development and, and stuff, but also, you know, a, a, a meta model for, you know, like putting those in together, you know, to serve you as interests. And, you know, like, like the purpose of the model is, is, is probably unconscious. And, uh, uh, you know, and it, it also does like blind you, like, like in a big way, but, but also, you know, like, uh, um, you know, it forces you to act in a shared purpose, you know, like, uh, you know, if, if you've got one of those State Department um, uh, um, scholarships where, you know, you got to study Arabic for two years, like in, you know, uh, uh, you know, so, somewhere in the middle east like they have like laid so many foundations like for you know making you good at a you know helping uh coordinate you know us um uh um you know diplomatic and, and intelligence missions like yeah absolutely right um and and then doubly problematic because these are then unconscious right like i think and and then that that gets even worse again when it's kind of mixed with this um like positivist sort of attitude towards the world. Like when, when you are somebody who is filtering everything through this fucking crazed sieve of like models and like biases and like perceptual clusters, you know, but you believe that what you're doing is simply like observing true facts. Like you, you, you don't, you don't actually realize that what you're doing is, is processing things and that your, your thought objects are not simply direct reflections of the world then all of those problems compound again um, and get, get even worse, right? So maybe like step one here is realizing that our kind of thought objects and conceptual models are not just in dispassionate reflections of facts in the world. They're, they're kind of self-involved in that kind of way. Uh, do you want to go again, Matt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to say to him uh, um, uh, uh, that, um, yeah, 
uh, the, they did studies about like a, a prediction and and, uh, and the, the, the kind of models that people use and just people's like intuitive expertise. And they, they found that actually like the people who just sort of unconsciously rely like uh, on their own expertise, they do the absolute worst. And they, 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 they compared that to uh, people who use uh, one formal model, and then uh, uh, you know, um, uh, and then the, and then the people who did the absolute best are you know they, they call you know they, I think it was the, the foxes you know like uh, the the fox versus hedgehog thing you know the fox there's a bunch of ways to do things hedgehog only has one way to to do things um, uh, and you know the, the people who integrated uh, several different um, uh, um, formal models and then you know fed that into their intuition they actually did the absolute best like destroyed everyone else. Yeah, that's super interesting, right? And it's like a beard does gesture towards that here. I mean, elsewhere in, in the book as well, that like um, you should you should actually have multiple overlapping and even contradictory models and have these like sub sub departments, whatever, basically fight it out. <laughs> like and for like the, there should, in fact, be internal conflict and debate. Um, and that's that's the kind of healthy way to bring yourselves towards the truth. Um, maybe a more sort of or a less charged version of that would be like a kind of Socratic dialogue internally, um, which is why kind of like this, uh, having an invariant program or like one, one party, one line, that kind of stuff is uh, really not good at all. Um, you, you really want internal debate and, and internal democracy um, and like real challenge. Uh, people should be challenging each other on this sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, Kyle. Uh, yeah, so I was just thinking about this example of the embassy being staffed full of Marxists and, and basically getting ignored by the home office because it's like, well, uh, like this just doesn't compute. Like we got to we got to switch to a different station here. Like we got to turn our radio to another frequency because I don't even understand what we're getting on this one. Uh it it's uh, very reminiscent of what happened with uh, the um, China experts who were in charge of uh, Japan after the Second World War. Uh, they were all sort of uh, very progressive New Dealers, um, and they were very actively promoting uh the sort of unionization efforts in Japan and the uh powers of uh, the Communist Party there um, in order to promote democracy uh, as, as they saw it uh, and you know as long as uh, uh no Deming was not a part of this particular phase but uh, 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 as long as, you know, that was sort of vaguely in line with what the State Department had in mind for Japan, uh, they were able to kind of go ahead with that. Like they wrote the Constitution, uh, all this kind of thing. But then the sort of reverse course comes along. The model of the State Department, like the model that the State Department has and the model that MacArthur has for what ought to happen in Japan uh, changes and they're suddenly completely powerless because their their model of like what ought to happen uh, is completely out of sync with the, the, the home. Uh, and so th after that, it's like, well, no, we need to bring all of the 
conservatives and fascists out of jail and put the communists in jail and you know let's let's try to go back on this peace constitution we created etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh yeah just this example like you know beer poses this as a hypothetical here but this example really remind me of what actually happened in japan uh with the americans yeah definitely right um uh there's something you said that reminded me of something else but I was also kind of thinking of like um, uh, if, if if you don't have the shared model, right? Like you've got this kind of transduction with like these these groups that don't really speak each other's language. You could also end up with like um, like a the Home Office or the, the 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 government back home, like the British government would say, like, oh well, that's of course that's what they'd say, you know. Like when when the the, the embassy staffed with Marxists is like, ah, the workers are on the move or against the hated fascist oppressors. It's like yeah, that. It sounds like every line a Marxist has ever said to me, right? Like, you know, it's and with that the the lack of being able to communicate communicate across those models is it's like um, all of those signals get squashed into these very low variety kind of lines where like everything they say sounds like everything else because you're not really able to to grasp it and to to, to push it. And it's like, well, don't they claim everyone's a fascist? You know, or do, do they do they just mean something ordinary or whatever? It's, maybe that's that's another aspect of that problem is like. The, the the information you're receiving starts to sound very one note when you're not able to really conceptualize it or push it through your own model. And yeah. especially when you don't trust the other end. If you don't trust the, the people speaking and to, or like if you don't understand them enough to trust them or whatever, you know? Well, this is also an issue of like um, any sort of political faction always mm. assumes that the other political factions are more united than they actually are. Because yeah. they don't have a working model of like their interiority, like mm -hmm. so you know, it's it's I I always hear the refrain on the left about how sadly you know disunited and fractious the the left is, but if you go and actually talk to the like rightists, you'll see that they actually have similar refrains. <laughs> And, you know, there's all kinds of divisions which are just invisible when uh, you view the right as a sort of cohesive enemy force. Uh, just yeah. And I don't I don't think this is like endemic to like extremes or anything like that. It's just the way the political landscape works. Like you just attenuate all that variety down to, oh, that's the enemy. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and everybody kind of sees the other side as being more united than they actually are and their own side as more disunited. Indeed. Um, let's go to Jake. Yeah. Uh, I think this, like this part also, you know, is another like speaking to the idea of like the futility of trying to like influence the system from within, you know, like if you just operate as like, a, an arm, uh, a system, a subsystem of an existing, like, larger system, whether that's, like, you know, the existing government in the U.S. or, like, I hesitate to say capitalism just because it's, like, such a huge system and there's so much room in there, like, and so many things touch it, you know? But, like, if you try to operate within that, then you don't have control over the actual, like, the model. You know, you only have control over the inputs that you send to the model. And, and like, the like Beer says, like, they're just going to ignore you if it really like conflicts with like what not only just what they understand of the world but like the signals they're receiving from the other parts the signals they're receiving from above 
you know, it's just like clearly like the problem is not, you know, it's, it's to get back to like liberalism for a second. Like it's not that the people in power are just receiving the wrong signals or that they're the wrong people receiving the wrong signals. It's that all the rest of the things around them are reinforcing the bad signals or not bad signals, but reinforcing the wrong signals, let's say, and deliberately cutting off the like correct, not correct ones, you know, the ones from the workers, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a matter of just like, you know, Hey, if we filled up this, uh, this embassy with like Marxists in, in this Marxist country, then like we'd be able to get the British to support this Marxist government. But it's like, no, they'll just ignore you. Then yeah, you know, instead of just, uh, ignoring like the good shit that the government is doing, uh, the Marxist government is doing. So yeah, I think, I think it's just like speaking to that futility and, and yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the left is, is really dysfunctional. I think it's just so many people going towards so many different directions and, and I don't, people still haven't, I don't think uh, most people really don't seem to grasp the fact that like, you can't just can't grasp hold of the existing system and just, you know, take over it. You have to build new ones and smash the old ones, you know, kind of at the same time, I think, but yeah, mm. the right. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree though about the, like everyone thinks that other people are more functional than they are. Like even just in my experience of like speaking to a bunch of people in different like groups across the country for like for Marxist center, everyone is having the same problems, but they're like, not as they're like, I don't know about afraid to like share them, but just like, they're like, they, they internalize them or personalize them as like, Oh, this is my feeling. But it's like, it's fucking hard to organize during a pandemic. Like that is why so many people are failing. Like you can't just like go out and meet people and like call a meeting in person. You're going to like call a meeting online. And then the people who care about showing up to online things will show up. And, and it's necessarily not going to include like the people that you want to talk to. Um, I could talk about that forever, but, but yeah, like it's that, it's that same thing of like, like people are not as organized as you think they are in your head, you know? And I say you as anyone, like, I think we all make that same problem. So it's, it's good to assume, not to assume that like your enemies are not organized, but just like that there's room there that you may not have thought like there's room for maneuver and for like potential strategies that, you know, you might not think of if you think like, well, they're just going to shut this down or they're just going to like, they're going to know that we're doing this. Like I, I think of people who are like super, super gung ho, like not gung ho, uh, super, super like, um, concerned with like online security, but it's like some level is good, right? You, you don't want the record. You don't want the variety of just anyone on the internet anywhere coming into your thing and like injecting a bunch of random bullshit into it. But if you shut down a lot of the like avenues for input and for like sharing the information because you're concerned with like it falling into the wrong hands, then the necessary like work and variety isn't just, it's just not going to be generated and you're just going to shut down that, like that work. And like, if the government really wants to know what you're doing, like chances are they know it, like you shouldn't operate as if your information is totally like secure unless you're doing everything in person, which we're not now, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> Who knows who's listening into these jitsi calls? You know, it's like we've got a, we've probably got a file with the NSA. Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that, right? And like, I think, I think there was something you mentioned there about like, um, 
it, it, it kind of boils down to like epistemic humility, but in two directions, right? Because like we have to recognize that our model of what's going on in both in, say, the economy and society at large and in particular people's heads and with the capitalists and all this thing, they're all impoverished models and they may in fact be totally wrong. But also when we're in conversation with people, especially like we're going, going to workers or whatever, we don't, we don't like have a right to be understood. Like it, it, we don't get to control what their models are. And so if we go in there and we're like, oh, we're going to organize your workplace and start, you know, waving fucking hammer and sickle f- flags around and the workers go, mm, not sure about that Stalin shit. And, we, and then we respond with, it, oh, well, you see, actually a lot of the stuff that was Lenin, Lenin wrote about was actually in Kautsky and stuff. Like nobody gives a shit. Like they're not going to understand you and you, you don't really have a right to be understood. Like you can't dictate that they are going to transduce what you mean by fiat. Like it's, we have to admit that we have impoverished models and also we don't have control over what models people carry around in their own heads. And I, I, that kind of reduces to this, this general kind of vibe we carry around that like we live in capitalism. Like we do live in, in liberal society and like, People kind of are baked in this way, and it's not really through fault of their own. It's just the it's the, it's the water they swim in. And for better or worse, we kind of have to transduce what we're talking about in terms that can be understood. Um, because if we start cracking on about, oh, Kautsky and fucking, oh, I don't know, some, some fucking Russian dickheads who exchange letters in prison and all this kind of stuff, like people are going to look at us like we have two fucking heads. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because, and they'll be right to say that. Because what we're saying makes no fucking sense. It's viewed through the lens of, you know, Uber driver who doesn't give a shit, you know. Um, so epistemic humility in both directions, because if Beer is right here, reality is fundamentally multi-perspectival. And coherence amongst social agents kind of comes in part from like coherence of ideas and coherence of like language and being able to speak to each other. And if we're just speaking different languages entirely, there's kind of no point. We're going to be the fucking weird trot flat cap assholes who are just like muttering some crap in the corner, like the, the weird bordigus that nobody likes to talk to. Um, I don't know. That's, it seems like a rant I go off on every fucking episode here. Um, anyway, Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I think um, just to give an example of sort of the considering the disunity of the right uh recommend that people listen to the most recent episode of radio warner because they talk to a conservative on there uh like an anti-interventionist conservative uh and from her perspective the Lives and the sort of the sort of hawkish liberal pro-war establishment is quote unquote the blob, and she sees herself and her uh, allies as being very much out in the cold, uh, trying to shift the Overton window and operating in a very fragmented and hostile. Uh, right-wing political environment. Um, so just, you know, putting yourself in that person's shoes for a little while and thinking about what the political landscape looks like is an interesting exercise. Uh, yes, apparently yeah. the blob comes 
from Obama himself as a as a term or someone within the Obama administration mm. we're getting from chat. Mm. Um, it, it seems to be kind of like a. Um, it, it's this is an invariant, right? This this is this is something that's present all over the place, and like everyone and every sort of group of people seems to draw this inside-outside distinction where the inside is detailed and has all this subtle stuff going on, but the outside is a kind of gray wilderness that is, is perfectly homogenous. Um, and then, but that's also true of everyone that's on the outside. They think the same thing. And it's all, oh, hi, Jeremy. Um, and they're, they're both wrong. <laughs> the thing, right? And if, if everyone can be kind of wrong about this and yet be still so certain of it, Maybe that certainty carries no weight whatsoever, um, and that it also means we should probably be very careful when we kind of think, say, like, oh, you know, the, the the left really needs to get together and go to the barricades right now because it's going to be challenged by the big unified um, multi-continental fascist conspiracy that's going on or something. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to be totally fucking wrong about that too, you know. And if if our certainty in that simply says nothing, then would people be fools to believe us about that? Maybe, probably. Um, let's see, Matt. Yeah, with, with the uh, um, uh, uh, you know in group out group thing, um, uh, I, I think it you know it, it, it kind of goes back to like a, you know, the, the, there's that model of, of the homunculus of like you know if you um, you know if you drew like a human with uh, uh, you know body parts basically you know uh, proportional to how um, how much they're represented in your nervous system, you know like it's very weird proportions. Yeah, you know, your hand, you know your your, your hands and stuff are, are, are giant. Um, uh, I think it's the same kind of thing. You know, like you, you only allocate like so much. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Unless you're like a real like a uh, 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 you know um, yeah uh, online a- a- anti-fascist who's like you know looking at like all the different streams and all the different connectivities of like all the different uh, uh, right-wing groups you know like you just don't allocate that much space to the um, uh, uh, to, to the variety of it because uh, honestly you know it doesn't necessarily affect you that, that much day to day you know I mean you're 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 probably more you know concerned with like the internal dynamics and so I mean and on some songs it's it, it's maybe even rational but I mean I think it's important to just remember that like that's like a that's like a simplification that like I have in my head especially because like a, you know if information is the thing that changes like you know all the different streams of like different like right wing weirdness if at the end of the day like you know in terms of like the stuff you care about you know like they're going to be against unions, you know, they're going to be, they're mostly going to be pro-imperialism, you know, they're, they're, they're against democracy, you know, as, as, as long as like, as long as like the, the things that actually matter are, are the same, you know, like uh, all other weird different ideological justifications actually are kind of, you know, just noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's all quite true. I guess it's like perceptually like human beings are, are, are special and they're all distinct and different, but all wolves are actually the same wolf just instantiated 10 or 15 different times. They're like fucking video game models, whatever. And because functionally all wolves are the same wolf as far as you're concerned, because you just don't want to get eaten by one. Um, Yeah. So I guess what's going on here and it's probably worth reinforcing is that this is, this is not like a kind of critique of like, Oh, well, we just, we don't have access to the, to the real. So therefore all our efforts are fruitless. It's that we should really be conscious that we're glossing so much and yeah, you're right, like, these can be very functional glosses that, like, if if these ten wolves all want to kill me, they are functionally the same fucking entity. Um, or the, you, you're, you wouldn't necessarily care about the particular rich inner lives that each wolf has, um, because fuck, it's, it's all teeth and claws, you know? And so uh, that's the thing that matters to you. Um, and just we we have to keep reminding ourselves of that, because the, the danger there would be that, like, we 
we rely lean on these abstracted models and these like low variety models too much and then it turns out too late that there is a difference that we missed um that was actually quite important i don't know maybe there's a super wolf in there or something they look the same as the other ones i don't fucking know um let's have some jake and some kyle and then we'll make it kind of go with the last couple of paragraphs and have some finishing discussion yeah i'll, I'll try not to be too long about this but yeah I, I think just you know the point about the like you know you always think there's more it always seems like there's more organization happening from when you're looking at it from the outside and then you go inside and you're like oh wow there's actually no one that's done with it this is all just momentum huh okay cool um it just like reminded me of like you know something i've encountered in my own organizing um trying to like start up like a new sort of organizing project or help start it of like you know getting people who want to be involved but don't know how and thinking that there is some official way of like getting involved when it doesn't there isn't it's just like if you have an idea you should tell someone and maybe it can happen you know instead of like a oh well you know i just needed to like be at this place or say these right things or whatever and it's just like you know the the people that need to build the organizations that will like create good change in the world are like us, you know, and it's not like, it's not coming out from the outside, you know, it's not something that's already built. Like we have to build it. And, um, and it just makes me think it's like, it, you know, like I've had this thought a lot of like, like watching like older movies or TV shows or, or even just listening to like, we're reading older, like stuff from like mid 20th century, yeah, like sixties or seventies, whatever, where there's still this like actual institutions that have to have some amount of connection to like the people and like responsive to the people because they're competing with the USSR and because there's alternatives there that people might turn to that they're legitimately afraid they might turn to, you know, and seeing like in movies, whatever being like the, the, the way to defeat the bad guys to expose him to the system. And then like, just tell the news and then his plan will be ruined because everyone will know about it. But it's like, nowadays it was like, yeah, everyone fucking knows, but no one knows how to do anything about it. So clearly the problem is not like, attaching the bad things to the system that is supposed to get rid of the bad things. Cause it doesn't, you know, it's, 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 we have to create that. And it doesn't, it's not just a simple matter of like knowing about it, you know, knowing, knowing is half the battle. Right. But the other half is, is building, building institutions that can fight it, you know? And, and uh, I think, I think there's that, there's that part of liberalism. That's just like waiting for someone else to like waiting for the, the parents to deal with the problem, you know, just like, oh, well, they're the people who deal with the problem. Like the Democratic Party is fighting fascism. So I don't have to worry about fighting any of that stuff, you know, just elect Joe Biden. <laughs> like, thankfully, you know, I think it's pretty clear to a lot of people that he's not fighting it because uh, he's not even pretending to. But, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of always you have to fight against and just like empowering people to to make that fight for themselves, to, to pull themselves into like the operating of the system and like change it, you know, not the system meaning the system, the structures that exist, but like create the structures to intervene within the larger system. You know? mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you don't have to wait for like an organizing permit to, uh, to do that. Yeah. I've definitely seen the same thing happen, right. Where people kind of like, are like, do I have, do I have to like, do I have to send an email to someone to like get, get permission to, to, to go door knocking or something, you know, this kind of thing. Um, Anyway, uh, Kyle. 
yeah, so uh, with that point about um, revealing the information, making it public, and then that somehow solving things. I mean, I guess that was always kind of a bit of a, well, I mean, it's not always, but it's kind of like a liberal fantasy that comes out of like, uh, comes out of the Vietnam era, uh, which is pretty unrealistic. Uh, but, you know, if you need any evidence for that, just look at the Panama Papers, right? Utterly ineffective, uh, despite revealing a lot of corruption that the system quote-unquote should fix uh uh but on another point uh um talking about that uh disunity on the right and it being worth studying i mean i was just gonna say look at the 18th premier because that's what that is, right? It has like no, almost no focus on the left whatsoever. It's just looking at the right and how their interconflicts are are operating. And that's not to say that's all that Marx did or it's the only thing that was worth doing. It's just like, yeah, this is a thing he did and it's worth doing sometimes. Uh, you can't focus all your attention on that, uh, although some scholars do. Uh, but, you know, if functionally it's probably just something to keep in mind from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I guess like, I mean, maybe this, this um, example also kind of applies to the, the stuff you get in the Brumaire, but like, um, like the, the sort of like, a, a, like con contrast, like a full stat study of Nazism versus like a popular understanding where like, Oh, well you see, there was this guy called Hitler and he was an evil wizard and he put on everyone under a spell and everyone went with it. You know, there's like this full whole unity is implied and like the actual process is much more fractious. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something similar. It was like, Hey, look, there was this guy called Louis and he was an evil wizard and he won because he was, because he was so unvirtuous and so, so bad. He just won the day. Um, it's glossing over all the like internal fractions and like not even internal fractions. It's just the outright different fucking entities um, at, at various moments at, in conflict with each other and various moments collaborating with each other um, and in very complex ways which is all lost if we just kind of have this evil wizard sort of model of like the right where like well there's this huge blob that's called the right and it's ruled by wizards and they they do bad things because they're bad and we do good things because we're good and that's what the distinction is um anyway let's crack on um so bottom of page 357 it is surely part of the issue about political naivete that this section undertakes to discuss that any example is likely to trigger strong emotional response because of its content. The foregoing paragraph set out to show by one example how difficult it must in general be to maintain requisite variety in the conceptual models tacitly in use once a crisis burgeons. In normal conditions, if, ever, if such ever actually obtain these days, Requisite variety is provided by low variety models because normal is itself a low variety signal. Hence, even when a crisis is expected and models are made explicit so that variety can be expanded to whatever is requisite, the design task remains extraordinarily difficult. For example, I set up three different systems of communication with three different groups in Chile ready for use if the expected coup befell as it did and I was safely out of the country at the time, as I was. These needed to employ coded information expressed in casual form so as not to alert expected censorship. 
So here were three different models, quite explicit and fully developed, which were supposed to be capable of generating requisite variety to balance that generated by the developing crisis. In the event, none was adequate. One failed completely, but that was probably due to psychological trauma uh, suffered during the coup. A second was successful in adaptation over the fairly short period needed, but would not have continued to generate variety for much longer, even though it had large information handling capacity. The third was fully adaptive and therefore did its job successfully for a long time, but it required strong efforts of both imagination and inference at both terminals and eventually became so complicated that it also failed. Perceive then, please, in the light of Ashby's law, the enormous difficulties involved in designing systems capable of generating requisite variety in conditions of burgeoning crisis. By definition, a crisis has emotive content. By belief, its successful handling depends upon accurate and timely information. It is hard indeed for anyone involved to withhold emotional response at the time. And with hindsight, I can be as coolly critical of my own design of codes as I remain about the British government's actions. And the importance of information is indeed so great that it, to feel confidence in the system that provides it is paramount at the time. With hindsight, I can criticize its deficiencies, especially in the linkages between the five main levels of the socio-industrial recursion. But whatever degree of emphasis is placed on these two dominating themes within a political crisis, or rather because of it, this underlying requirement must be maintained because it is absolute. That all subsystems standing in homeostatic relationship be capable of generating requisite variety to absorb each other's variety in every principle, which is to say in terms of the conceptual models, which govern both the dynamics of emotion and the selection of information. And that's the end of that first segment uh, that the system is obedient to Ashby's law of requisite variety. Um, I had one tiny little thought that popped out at me and then I forgot it. Um, yeah, the, the beer's, the beer's distinction between information and variety, right, is something that's throughout, throughout the section, right, that like you can have plenty of information but have very little variety and very little capacity to transduce it. So like... Um, I don't know, maybe because we're we're picking on like the kind of ambient liberalism here. It's like you get a you get a copy of Time magazine. It's like, wow, who Syrian hardliners are gaining influence, huh? It's like, yeah, of course. Like it's the same fucking message every week, right? Like it's it's packed with information, but has basically no variety because it's it's a one note, just repetition. Or you pick up a copy of The Economist, and it's the same shit every fucking week. Um, tons of information, no variety. Um, Anyway, I thought that was worth drawing, drawing attention to. Or even like the fact that like you could have plenty of information and have no capacity to transduce it. So all this information could just be toggling a light switch. You know, it's just like all of the variety at the input just amounts to like um, binary distinctions in, in the channel. Anyway, um, do we have much to say about the end bit here? Yeah, Jake, go for it. That's good. I just, yeah. Uh, it wasn't super coherent. I didn't have it thought before you propped it, but I just figured I'd say something because we're nearing the end anyway. So uh, just like, yeah, it really goes to show how necessary it is to have the things in place to deal with the crisis or with crisis before it happens. Like, you know, I think that's probably why it is so tough to organize under COVID. I mean, besides like the literal physical restrictions, but just like, no one was expecting it. No one had, no one had things in place to be able to just organize all remotely. 
before this and trying to flail around and build stuff. But then it's like there goes through ups and downs and not being able to like, you know, sort of during the summer, we we're able to kind of still do some stuff in person, but just outside. But now it's like we're getting back into winter and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we really should have been more like stringent about developing these things that would you know, allow it to do us, allow us to do the things that we want to do uh, mostly virtually. Um, but yeah, and I, it's just like, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. <laughs> um, I love that sigh at the end. Yeah. That's basically the whole fucking scenario. Um, I'm with you definitely. Right. And I think, yeah, maybe the, the COVID thing is a really good example there. Cause like, I mean, when summer came around, we were like, oh yeah, don't have a fucking party. Let's go. Let's, let's go get a Starbucks for the first time in six months. Um, but yeah, like it should have been obvious that there was going to be this wasn't over and things were going to get worse again. And like what you would need to be doing then is building structures that don't immediately pay off. Yeah. Like and that you're building for the long term. And I think that's this is a this is a sort of reformulation of like, I don't know what we, we call it, like base building or strategy of patience and so on. That isn't anything to do with electoral stuff it's not about reacting to the next electoral cycle it's about building up these competencies over the long term that won't pay off today yeah. like you're not going to see the result of it today and i think there's even beyond like the kind of socialist left i think even in just like the wider activist sort of culture there's no time horizon of imagination like everything is about this moment everything is it's either to the barricades now or it's fucking nothing yeah. and there's there's never any talk of like building something that's going to be like or the beginnings of assembling something that's going to be useful 10 years from now and then like it, what beer is kind of point, indicating here is you'd need to build an overcapacity for mm -hmm. dealing with emergency even when emergencies aren't happening now mm -hmm. militaries and governments and stuff are fucking great at doing this they're constantly running drills they're constantly they have loads of infrastructure provisioned to keep themselves alive in the case of like nuclear war and stuff like that and that's that's a cost of doing business is that you you have tons of like there's, there's there's fucking tunnels under london that are like cleaned and maintained constantly in and maybe you'll never need them who knows maybe the nukes will never fly but when they do you're gonna be glad they're there um i mean for, for the you know fucking whitehall scumbags that we would prefer not to survive but you know th there's something there's a lesson to be taken there right that like building things as precautionary measures and building capacities that you hope you won't need but like when the crisis comes you're gonna be very glad that they're there that's a very different mindset from like oh look at the most recent outrage we have to go to the barricades now and then never think about building even building a fucking barricade in the first place um or building the, the possibility of their you know like, like building the foundational stuff that would even lead to success later um yeah. i mean just you saying that like really makes me like, you know, the one in, in Philly Socialist, the, the project that's had the most success now is our community garden because there exists an outdoor space mm -hmm. which is open and people can meet in like regularly and still have been having regular meetings all throughout this pandemic because they can do socially distance. And that's it's good. like we started that garden eight years ago, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like guess what? We were prepared for uh, having to meet outside because we had this outdoor space, but it's like, it also created this space for like fights against like land developers who are trying to gentrify the neighborhood because mm -hmm. there is this capacity to reach out to people 
who have been coming to the garden for these eight years, who have who know who have built relationships, you know, with the people, with the organization and like trust us to like fight with them. And, you know, it's like creates the space for these struggles that wouldn't have been possible without these things to exist. So it really, in my mind, really reifies that that uh, sort of long term base building type uh, strategy as like actually useful in times of crisis rather than just like performing what we think mm-hmm. is the left is the useful thing in times of crisis, which is like calling a protest or something that doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere. You know? Yeah, that's, that's a really good example. I mean, like a, a garden can't pay off immediately. Maybe that's the thing is you got you to have people commit to growing vegetables because they can't eat them today. You know, <laughs> it's like you got to come back tomorrow for the vegetables, folks, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really great. And it's, it's why I have no time for this kind of stuff of like, oh, well, tr- trying to trying to just like do this nuts and bolts stuff is a waste of time. You need to start like blowing up power stations and like, you know, d- d- get to the barricades now, comrades, that kind of shit. So no fucking time for that. You've got to really lay a lot of groundwork, and especially because we have no, we have no ground under us. We've a lot of track to lay. Um, let's go to Boast and then Kyle. I always unclick my hand icon instead of unclicking the mute thing. Um, I just wanted to bring up the idea that we were talking about like building in times of crisis or trying to uh, coordinate. And I think that it's important to remember that it's fine to be destructive too. Like, especially when talking to these other liberals, um, they're not able to absorb, like, especially in times of crisis, they're not able to absorb and respond to variety. If they've got these mental structures in their head that are shunting them off from thinking of alternatives, like in the case of the community garden, if people are always under the assumption that their produce comes from Publix or Walmart or what have you, they can never imagine these alternative possibilities. So I don't have to come up to somebody and give them like a long list of these communes that have successfully had community gardens or what have you, I can just immediately start destabilizing what is already in there and say like, hey, um, if you're not allowed in in Walmart when there's more than 30 people in there, then maybe you need to think of alternatives to this system that you're relying upon. And uh, it's, it's opportunities presented to us by crisis that we can both build and destabilize at the same time. Like you mentioned the, uh, the military, the military abhors a variety in the people that follow them. So one of the things that we can do is produce variety by saying, Hey, these assumptions that you've made are irrelevant. Now crisis has made them irrelevant. Yeah, totally. I think when, when you said, uh, destroy, I, I immediately thought of Boyd, right? Cause I mean, we're, we're always, we're always thinking here of like building our own stuff. But like destroying the enemy's infrastructure and destroying their ability to transduce the, the crisis themselves is also of, of great, great value. Speed yourself up and slow them down simultaneously. Um, that's what I mean, like with the George Floyd uprising, it was so great to see people just like physically challenge police infrastructure and just fucking destroy it. And it's like, yeah, we didn't just run you out of town. We fucking burnt all your shit while you were gone, too. Um, that was that was really good. It, it, it seems to be like a, a crossing of a threshold into a willingness to to like act, actively disrupt what the enemy is doing. Um, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, I just wanted to call attention one more time to this last section here because I do think it's quite interesting. Uh, so he says. Uh, Um, this underlying requirement must be maintained because it is absolute that all subsystems standing in homeostatic relationship be capable of generating requisite variety to absorb each other's variety in very principle, which is to say in terms 
of the conceptual models which govern both the dynamics of emotion and the selection of information. So every section or every unit should be able to absorb the information generated by the other units in a crisis and also absorb the oscillations produced by their emotion, emotional reactions. Uh, that is, seems like a very important design principle. Uh, and it does kind of get to this idea of like defense in depth or just like building up like capacities for crisis, which is very contrary to like the neoliberal way of doing things, which is just to like maximize efficiency for optimal conditions. Um, and like that kind of like, you know, having fallback mechanisms or having the capacity to absorb variety of the units that you are typically in interaction with in the worst case scenario. Uh, it, yeah, it just it feels like a degree of redundancy that is really contrary to um, a lot of the design principles that are that are popular these days and have been um, to some degree, I think, challenged by the uh, the covid, the pandemic crisis. Right. Like, you know, being in the worst case situation uh, and seeing the lack of redundancy fail. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so anyway, I, I think that's an important principle. It's worth just kind of bearing in mind when doing organizational design or model making. Yeah. Cause you, you don't want to have this, you know, collection of like weird stick insect creatures that are like hyper adapted for their own thing and can't actually like deal with each other or, um, or reinforce each other. Um, I, the emphasis on the kind of like emotive content as well is quite like important that like you're going to have to develop nerves of steel and and be able to like deal with others who are panicking <laughs> and flipping out you know so it's it's like um at least you just put it in that kind of register of like a collection of people working together like yeah you need to steal your nerves and also be able to deal help everyone else to to steal theirs and to to um to deal with kind of like psychological breakdowns and stuff without, without simply like, I don't know, leaving a comrade behind or, or ejecting them from the, from the effort. Um, I guess the same goes at all kinds of layers of recursion as well. That if, if some subunit starts, starts breaking down, um, you're going to have to be able to like help reinforce them and so on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of us, have probably encountered this in our working life these days where like people are having emotional breakdowns constantly under these crisis conditions and our working expectations and systems are not built to deal with that degree of variety. And we're having to kind of like reinforce our variety um on the fly because we like we just don't like our 
expectations of like what kind like what amount of work should get done in a year or how we should structure our work this year are are really out the window uh and we're having to yeah you know like really reevaluate how much variety we need to commit to our relationships with our coworkers and so on yeah absolutely um Let's have Matt, and then let's let's start wrapping up. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm re- really grooving on on the part of like uh you know the, the the different subsystems that speak like different middle languages, like figuring out like the exact ways that they can communicate with each other. Because like yeah yeah you, when you've got like two groups that you know kind of don't totally speak the same language, and uh, you know there isn't really a pressing task, you know you, you can have like longer calls and just you know well like uh uh uh, uh you know uh, take the time to like fi- uh, fi- figure out ambiguities. But you know like when when rapid action is needed, and you know it is two different systems that you know speak uh, uh different mid languages like you do need you know like that very yeah that, that very carefully variety engineer transducer that can actually allow you to communicate between the different subsystems uh efficiently or else you just won't be able to communicate at all right and if you can't communicate at all you're just gonna kind of fall apart pretty quickly um absolutely um cool um so we got through all of that first point i think there's four of them so we'll, I'd imagine it'll take us a session each to get through those. And then who knows how many pages we'll still have left in chapter 20. Um, but it has been wonderful as always. Uh, thanks everyone for coming along and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Later y'all.